Welcome to Read It Read It. We will be reading from r slash malicious compliance. Our first post is by low underscore myope. A few years ago, I moved back to the city in which I was a university student. As I was now a young professional and had experienced significant issues with housemates in the past, non-payment of bills, having to do all the cleaning, I decided that I would rent a small flat from a reputable agency which specifically catered for young professionals such as myself. I went and viewed the property, which was quite messy and needed to have a few things addressed, i.e. the vinyl flooring in the kitchen was ripped, one of the drawers in the freezer was broken. But seeing as tenants were still living in the property, and the agency assured me that between tenants the landlord would clean the property and resolve any small issues prior to moving in, I happily signed a contract and wrote a checks for the deposit and first month of rent. Two months later, I moved into the property and was welcomed with the following issues. Note, I just happened to stumble upon the list I made at the time when clearing out an old hard drive a few days ago, General. The entire property had not been cleaned fire door wouldn't close, breach of fire regulations, the previous tenants had left much of their belongings behind, namely clothes and bedding general waste was present in all rooms, bins had not been emptied, batteries had been removed from all of the fire slash smoke alarms, by law, they were meant to be hardwired in rented property. Half of the light bulbs had been removed from the property. Hallway. Main supply and amp. Circuit breaker ripped from wall, incredibly dangerous, carpet soiled. Bedroom. Slats on bed broken, so would not have been able to sleep on it, mattress torn and ripped vinyl floor ripped up window jammed closed. Bathroom. Fecal matter on light switch mirror broken toilet had not been cleaned, still had fecal stains in bowl, shower door broken off hinges vinyl floor torn up. Kitchen slash living room. Washing machine broken all drawers in fridge freezer absent, or broken beyond repair gas cooker, missing burner caps and pan rail, therefore unusable, to cupboard doors hanging off vinyl floor ripped up curtain pole ripped down. It was very clear that two things had occurred here. The first being that the previous tenants had done a bit of a number on the property. That they had not respected the property and had left quite a lot of damage in their wake. They did not even have the decency to empty the place of their contents and at bare minimum, take the rubbish out before leaving. The second issue however, is that the landlord had evidently not made any significant attempt to bring the property back into a habitable state prior to me moving in. Being the reasonable guy that I was, I called the landlord and asked if he could resolve these issues immediately. Primarily as the property was genuinely in a dangerous and non-inhabitable state. I did not want to be a dig about it, however, at the bare minimum, the flat should be safe to inhabit. The landlord dismissed all of my complaints and stated that his wife, he was on a business trip to D-Bay, had inspected and cleaned the property a few days before, and all was fine, a blatant lie. I told him that I was extremely unhappy with the situation, and he told me to adhere to the contract which I had signed. He subsequently put the phone down. Any sympathy I had for the landlord evaporated at this moment. He was happy for me to live in a dangerous property. So I went through my contract line by line and found two key pieces of information. 
If a property is deemed to be in breach of fire regulations and or is deemed uninhabitable by a suitable representative, it is the responsibility of the landlord to resolve such issues immediately. If the landlord cannot resolve such issues immediately, it is the responsibility of the landlord to provide alternative accommodation to the tenant until the property is returned to a habitable state. Fortunately, a close member of my family at the time was a fellow of the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. Within the hour I had a formal letter stating that the property was uninhabitable and dangerous. I had this email to the landlord, address helpfully listed on the contract. Within 10 minutes, I had a call from him arranging emergency accommodation at a local hotel until he returned from his business trip three days later. On his return, he drove directly to the property from the airport and returned the checks for my deposit and first month's rent to me and asked me to move out. Which I gladly did. Unbeknownst to him, a copy of the letter had been sent by my family member to the housing ombudsman and the local authority. The last thing I heard is that this bloke ended up being investigated, heavily fined, and had to sell the house. TLDR, landlord rents me dangerous property and tells me to adhere to the contract. I adhere to the contract and get a weekend in a hotel, all of my money back, and he is heavily fined and sells the property. Edit, I don't know what golden damp, gilded means. But thank you. Our next post is by plethorism. So, I used to work for my grandparents on an oil farm in Texas. I was 17, freshly graduated from high school, and had moved from the Midwest to Texas to live with my grandparents and work on the oil farm they worked for doing some easy data entry. The building was essentially a tin building on the job site where my grandma and I, the only two office workers besides my grandfather, who was the foreman, worked. Basically when the new hires would come in that had missed the initial hiring round I was the one that would make sure all their paperwork was in order and that they had all of their OSHA classes finished and if any safety training hadn't been done I would just put in the VHS and confirm on a written copy that they had finished it under my instruction. This went on for two months with no issue until one fateful day, a regular Florida man, record and all, came in as a new hire and came to my office to finish his new hire paperwork. Once he was in my office I found he had no safety training to speak of and I informed him his next day or two would be spent in my office watching safety videos, all of this was paid of course. He immediately flew into a rage, screaming about how he wouldn't have some little girl teaching him how to do his job, which again I was a 17 year old female, at the time, I now identify as non-binary, and was only going through company standards and OSHA rules with him. I went to my grandfather who was my boss at the time obviously very confused and uncomfortable and unsure of how I should proceed. To which my grandfather said, you wanna fire him. Cue my excitement, my grandfather follows me to my office and I, as a 17 year old, get to fire this grown ass man sitting in front of me. I start directing him to gather his things and leave, and he starts up a huge fit, yelling and cursing at me, before he noticed my grandfather standing in the door with his gun, holstered on his hip, my grandfather usually kept this locked in a safe on the ground, or in his truck, I hadn't realized, until after he pulled it out just for me, and very quietly then he got up and left. The most satisfying moment of my life. Edit, change Q to Q, sorry y'all I wrote this drunk at 3am. 
Edit edit. Enough with the transphobia please. Obviously gender has a lot to do with this story. So I just wanted to include that I identify differently now. Our next post is by next flatline. My neighbor's 3 years old for some reason was always running around barefoot until 2am and then again from 5am. You could feel the apartment shaking when the kid was stomping and the parents didn't seem to do anything about it. I didn't consider complaining since I grew up in an apartment and I could get used to the noise with time. I was actually happy that I could listen to loud music and the neighbor wouldn't mind since they were also noisy. Well, to my surprise, in a few days I'd get a very angry building manager telling me that the neighbor complained I was too noisy, even though I was careful to never make noise between 9pm and 10am. Of course I then complained about the stomping and got told that other apartments also complained about that, but neither he nor the police could do anything about natural noises from normally living in an apartment. Well, from then on every night and early morning I would play very loud and dirty porn, and whenever I had a guest I would tell her she could be as noisy as she wanted. Every time I could hear the stomping halting right away, and after two months they moved out. Our next post is by Bed of Pillows. This is the same kind of story often told on this sub, and mine is dumb, so I'll keep it short. Supervisor introduces a new project management tool to the team. Our team is only 3 people and we don't need a giant professional software solution. Both of us underlings point this out. Supervisor insists. We worry about it being a waste of time. Supervisor says it will be worth it. We ask for clarification about what exactly do we need to enter into the new tool. Supervisor says, everything. Everything? Absolutely everything you do, should be entered and checked off. Kawalker underling gets a gleam in his eye. I understand. So we enter everything into the calendar. Leave home for work. Entered. Arrive at work. Entered. Sit down at desk. Entered and so on. And every time we accomplish a task, we log on to the program and mark it as complete. Coffee? Check. Write an email? Check. And every time we do this, the program automatically sends an email to supervisor that the task is done. To supervisor's credit, he took it well and laughed about the overwhelming emails. And it was only a few days later that he dropped the program and we went back to the way it was before. Our next post is by Browsing Idiot. Backstory. So my brother and I are always fighting and this quarantine is making everything tenser. So the agreement we had before was that if you watch one movie I'll watch one movie. Same thing for shows. Story. So one day I was just browsing the channels looking for something to watch. Then, my brother, annoyed that I still haven't chosen anything, decided to whine to my mother. He kept on saying that, whenever I chose a channel, it was a turn. My mom, annoyed at his whining said fine. New rule. Okay then. So the next day, I pretended to be asleep, but I had a pen and a small notepad with my watch with me. I then waited for him to turn on the TV. I then took a list of all the 11 channels he browsed through. I then waited until yesterday to put my plan into action. With my compiled list of the 11 channels or with the date and time. I made microwave popcorn and got comfortable. After my first movie, 
My brother demanded that I give him the remote but I didn't. He then went to our mom and whined. I then showed her list and reminded her of the new rule. My brother then tried to contest the rule, but I reminded him that he was the one to make the rule in the first place. My mother relented and said that it was my turn for the next 11 movies slash shows. I watched all the Avengers movies and a few episodes of the Grand Tour. He was so pissed when I decided to watch Infinity War and Endgame. That's it. My short but sweet malicious compliance. Edit. Clarity about time. Our next post is by Zoysera. A company I worked for is global, offices all over the globe. It wasn't often, but it was expected that, if you were needed on a call outside of your business hours, you'd make arrangements to join, typically a crazy one-off scenario where they needed to find an urgent time slot for a single call. It sounds awful but it really was infrequent and most folks were very conscientious when planning meetings. In comes a crappy meeting leader, we'll call her Karen, based in Europe, who scheduled a weekly reoccurring call at what would be 4am for West Coast USA. I was East Coast so 7am for me wasn't bad, but I reminded the meeting leader that the meeting made for the next day was outside their hours. She said they'd see the meeting in their afternoon and be able to accept for the next day. It was especially selfish because there were 8 participants from West Coast and Karen was the only one in Europe. Next day, no one from West Coast joined. Karen made a big stink about it to management that they all have to join weekly for this call. Sadly it worked and those poor souls had to join at 4am every Friday. Within only 2-3 weeks someone from West Coast became very interested and offered to champion the project and become the leader. Karen was happy to relinquish leadership and be a participant only. That very same day they took over the project, the reoccurring meeting was moved to normal business hours afternoon west coast time, even in Europe time. Karen was not happy and in the first occurrence kept making remarks about how it's very late Friday evening for her whenever she'd answer a question. My brain is a bit fried because it's late evening here, but let's not drag this topic out any further as happy hour here has already started haha. On the third week of the rescheduled call she stopped joining, even though her participation was key, being the only representative from Europe. The new leader had to go to management to get her to join, and when I dropped off the project they were still meeting Fridays. I hope she learned her lesson. Our next post is by username underscore Tim. My fiancé and I have begun exercising together. She has a workout plan she's doing, and I agreed to do it as well. The problem is that I'm pretty out of shape, so I was struggling when I started. The workout plan doesn't have sound, just a 30 second timer and some text telling you when to rest and what to do next. If you're just concentrating on working out you can sometimes miss your cue to take a break. Easy solution, each of us will watch the time for the other person. This all leads up to me, on the second day of exercises, absolutely dying while doing split jumps. My fiancé is sitting on the sidelines with helpful comments like go down lower and you need to jump higher. I'm tired and a little grumpy, so I half jokingly told her to stop talking. She immediately goes silent and I'm briefly worried I may have upset her. I'll check with her as soon as my break comes along. I continue to do my split jumps. 
and I keep going, and going, and going 30 seconds seem like an eternity when you're trying to exercise. I can't look at the screen because my fiance has it. I continue to do those evil split jumps. I stop. She busts up laughing and shows me the time. I'm 20 seconds into my break. That's what I get for telling her not to talk. Now I use my phone timer that beeps every 30 seconds, and we do the sets together. Our next post is by Aquaite Borderline. So this is my first post here. Apologies if I don't get the formatting right. My dad and I were talking about our respective days in high school and he shared how he and his buddies got back at their grouchy old math teacher, Mrs. Schaffer. According to dad, Mrs. Schaffer was the best teacher he had ever had, and he and his buddies gave her endless grief, including using the phone in the classroom to pull a prank on another one of their pals. However, she took things way too seriously. She was stern, strict and was the kind of person who could never take a joke. Everything had to be done exactly right. Of course, dad and his buddies being teenagers saw her as someone who could use livening up and gained reputations as class clowns. He told me that Mrs. Schaffer probably thought he and his friends were going to be criminal masterminds or something. Every year at this high school, they'd have senior skip day, which every senior looked forward to because, hey, it's a day away from school. Mrs. Schaffer, in her grouchiness, detested senior skip day and decided to ruin everyone's fun during my dad's senior year. To this day, dad swears that she picked that year because of the shenanigans he and his pals got into. She announced that there would be a test on this day. Not only that, but anyone who skipped the test because of senior skip day would get a zero, which would affect their grade average. Dad, who had a scholarship lined up at his dream school, was mad. If he missed the test, his grade average would be affected, risking his scholarship. However, he had been waiting every day for 4 years for senior skip day. So he and his buddies came up with a plan and give Mrs. Schaffer the most grief she had ever had in her entire life. Senior skip day rolls around. Dad and his buddies went to play golf early in the day as their test was scheduled in the afternoon. Once they finished their game, they hurried to the school, not even bothering to change out of their golfing clothes. However, this became a big problem, one dad admitted he and his friends didn't think of. For those who don't know anything about golf, golf shoes have little cleats, spikes, on the soles to help grip on rough terrain, however, wearing them and walking on tile floors is a bad idea. One of them was smart and took off his cleats, but the rest of them were stubborn and insisted on trying to get to Mrs. Schaffer's room in their cleats, which was on the second floor and on the other side of the building. They were slipping, sliding around, grabbing the walls, and laughing so hard. Everyone poked their heads out of the classrooms and were confused at the sight of these four guys trying to walk to their classroom in their golf cleats. Somehow, they managed to get down the hallway and up the stairs without breaking their necks and made it to Mrs. Schaffer's room. There was now a new problem. While the hallways had tiles, the classrooms themselves had wood floors, which resulted in the cleats getting stuck. They were clomping around, making a racket trying to get to their desks. Everyone else in the classroom looked up and laughed so hard, everyone that is except Mrs. Schaffer. 
She was beat red and looking like she was going to drop dead of a heart attack at the sight of these four idiots, as my dad put it, clomping into the room, dressed for a round of golf, and laughing as if they had heard the best joke in the world. Mrs. Shaffy yelled what are you doing, and pointed to the once perfect wooden floor, which now had holes in them. Dad, who had calmed down enough, shrugged his shoulders and said we had time between rounds of golf to take the test, so here we are. Mrs. Schaffer, realizing that they did show up to take the test as she told them and that her own ploy to get back at them had backfired, calmly told them to take their seats and gave their tests to them, glowering at them the whole time. When they were done, they clomped back out before slipping and sliding around to catch their next tea time. At least Mrs. Schaffer was fair, dad passed the test and kept his scholarship. To this day, those holes are still in the wooden floors. Edit, words and added context. Our next post is by our official sandwich man. Back when I was a kid, we had a rule where you weren't allowed to start eating food before we had said the blessing. The penalty for doing so was having to wait one minute to start eating after the blessing for each bite you had taken before the blessing. I hated this rule because I didn't like waiting to eat. What I figured out is, if I ate my whole dinner before the blessing, I wouldn't have any food to have to wait to eat after the blessing. I got about halfway through my plate before my mom figured out my plan and the jig was up, but it was totally worth it. Our last post is by Loken89. Warning, like most of my posts this will be a long one, tl, doctor at the end. Sorry in advance. This happened back in my army days, on deployment to Afghanistan. I was an E4 despite being in for around 7 years at this point, because I decided to self-medicate for a while, before seeking help for PTSD, and was a bit of a fixture in my unit, after spending my entire army career in this unit. Despite my fuck-ups, I was well liked by most of my unit, and especially by my co, company commander, and one SG, first sergeant, the enlisted counterpart to the co. I was what the army calls a deployment soldier, someone who you love to have in your unit while deployed, but gets a bit, let's say back quote distracted, and has a tendency to get in a bit of trouble when back in garrison, or the US, for too long. I was known for being sarcastic, a jokester, and hardworking when it mattered, but tended to be the typical long-term E4 when it came to bullshit duties in garrison, for instance taking a three-month staycation when our robust defense duty, but that's a story for another time. Also important to the story, I was also known for rarely being seen without my best friend, Jay, who I went to basic with, and was lucky enough to be in the same unit my entire career, and if we were left without supervision for too long, well, leadership knew not to let that happen. Consequences could range from the time the entire retty of the barracks living members of the company missed PT the day after St. Patrick's Day due to the three-story beer bong monstrosity we created to, well, this story. To the story. I had recently been switched to ops, operations, basically they put me behind a desk to be the armorer, guy that makes the pew-pews go pew again when they stop pewing from the front line despite having no training, and definitely not the best person for the job. 
This led to me being the lone person on the night shift as troops tend to take very good care of their weapons when downrange, and if something does break it usually has to go to battalion armorers, the guys that were actually trained to fix them, so honestly there wasn't much for me to do. I won't get into all my duties, but it wasn't much, it wasn't hard, and I was bored. Cute side note, the best nights were when the mind dog assigned to us couldn't sleep and came to the talk tactical operations center, and I got to play with her most of the night. Back to the story. Before I was switched Jay was in the lead vehicle which hit an IED. He was med evaced out on a chopper, but luckily himself and two others were concussed and beaten up, but otherwise okay, RIP to the driver, sadly. He was only 19 and was placed on life support, but it was removed at the request of his parents less than 24 hours later. Anyway, Jay came back to the unit, but leadership was wary of sending him back on mission too soon, and he was placed on night shift with me. To this day even the co and his place, platoon leader, usually a second lieutenant Akabata Bar, can't explain why they thought, putting he and I together on night shift, unsupervised, for 12 hours a night was a good idea. With both of us being well liked, and in our specific company for longer than anyone else there, we got pretty brave and there were quite a few antics and pranks pulled on the company leadership, most of which were tolerated and laughed about, and I can go into detail later, if anyone is interested. This antic, however, was not loved by the officers. Not at all. While deployed, military cooks serve midnight chow, which is exactly what it sounds like. Since we were on a larger base this time around, our unit was issued a gator. Think electric golf, except where the rear seat and club holders would be there's a small dump truck bed. We would use this to drive to pick up midnight chow and drive back, and sometimes other members of the unit would use it for work or just to avoid taking the buses on base. Well, one particular morning a group of lower enlisted took it to the gym and stayed longer than usual, and when the officers woke up they wanted to go get breakfast, only to find they had to use the bus because the gator was gone. Jay and I were berated and told that we weren't supposed to let anyone below a platoon sergeant rank use the gator. First we'd heard of this rule, but whatever, this happens all the time in the army, adjust and move on. Since we were ops we were still allowed gator use, so we didn't care. That is, until one morning I left shift with the gator key still in my pocket, and they couldn't find them, or use the gator, until I showed up for my next shift. Thus ends the gator use for anyone but the 1SG, who never used it anyway, the co, and the zo, second in command to the co on the officer side, usually a first lieutenant, but in this case a butter bar. Our exact orders were the keys stay in the gator and no one uses it without our permission, and I was told off pretty harshly by the zoo. Usually you can get away with a bit argument with a butter bar, the good ones anyway, after you've been in the military for a while, and this zoo really was a good one. I guess he was just having a bad day or something, idk, but I knew better than to press my luck and argue. There's more than one way to break in a new LT, after all. So now we finally come to the malicious compliance. Jay and I were fairly annoyed with the zoo's actions, and since we had nothing better to do, that night and I sure as hell wasn't gonna let him think his rank allows him to not give people decent human respect, we spent the first few hours thinking of how to teach him a lesson. 
Knowing the Co had left to the brigade headquarters earlier that day, we came to the conclusion that, since we couldn't bring the key inside anymore, but still needed to secure the gator, we'd need to get creative. That night, we decided that, since we had to be inside and couldn't have eyes on it, we'd need to hide it, or at least place it out of reach. Outside on a smoke break, we saw the connexes, or railroad containers for civilian speak, they were stacked too high, with empties on top and extra supplies on bottom. We looked at each other and immediately knew what to do. We took turns building a makeshift ramp that night and slowly eased the gator up to the top of one of the stacks, turned it off, left the keys in, and disassembled the ramp. Luckily we left before the Zo woke up, and the 1SG didn't notice it was missing, since he never used it. Getting back that night, we were a bit nervous, but when we walked in the 1SG tried hard to hide a smile. We knew we were in the clear then. Sure enough, the Zo comes to us with a red face, Zo, what the hell was that? Us, what was what, sir? Zo, don't give me that shit. The Gator. Us, well, sir, you said we had to keep the gator secure from anyone without your permission, but we have to stay inside and couldn't see it. Since we had to leave the keys in it as well and didn't have any guidance, we thought the best thing would be to put it where no one can reach it. This is the point the 1SG breaks down laughing and the zone knows nothing will happen to us, so he says, okay, that was good, you had your fun, but don't put it up there again. Us, Roger, sir. We later found out they used a crane from the contractors to get it down. Probably for the best, no one got hurt that way. Still under the same orders with one caveat, and inspired by the crane usage, that night I took a trip to the contractors, and, after explaining the situation to them, they happily agreed to use the crane to move a barrier from our mortar, bunker out of the way long enough for us to fit the gator in, then replaced it. There was physically no way to get it out without a crane. Things happened much the same that night, except this time we had new orders that we were not to hide the gator at all. The 1SG stayed behind that night for a few smokes with J and I, laughing but telling us he can't protect us forever, but he was interested in seeing how it all plays out, so he wouldn't stop us from continuing, but tread carefully. We thanked him and quickly came up with our new plan, but this time waited until about 3am thinking the zoo may have a surprise visit. Sure enough around 1 we saw a red flashlight beam shine on the gator during a smoke break, and while we can't prove it was the zoo, we assume it was. Around 3 we began unscrewing the entire front wall of the talk, drove the gator inside, and replaced the wall. That morning, the Zoe unexpectedly arrives with the 1SG before we were off shift. The 1SG walks in and laughs so hard he can't breathe. Hearing a loud sigh outside the door, the Zoe enters, stares at our work, and walks our head down without saying a word. This time the 1SG made us undo our work since it would interfere with operations and later that night the Zoe told us we'd made our point and we even got an apology. After that anyone could use the gator, as long as it was back by breakfast, and the co had one hell of a laugh when he returned. TL, doctor, leadership gets mad they can't use vehicle, makes rule that fewer people can use it, so we hide the vehicle and they have to use a crane to get it down. Next we put it in a mortar bunker, they have to use a crane to get it out. Next we put it in their workspace inside the building. 
rules are rescinded. That's it for Edit Reddit. I hope you enjoyed. Please leave a good rating, as that really helps me out.